0: पिलने आजा, अभी तो आजा
1: Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings podcast. This is probably the least enthusiastic you are ever going to hear me. I'm under very strict production orders that this episode is solely related to Manchester United. And if you listen to this podcast regularly or if you follow me on social media, then you know for sure it's not my favourite topic of choice when things are going well. And We've got three United fans with us just to add a bit of salt um in the wound so uh we will get to that very soon but just before we do I've got about five minutes of just no United talk we can talk about other things find out how everyone's lives are going and what's going on before we have to talk about all the ins and outs as to why Manchester United are good again or as Hamza just said great again uh Hamza how are you sat in a coffee shop smiling ear to ear very different to the first time we spoke how are you doing
2: It's crazy, man. I did not think we'd be back here in the same season with this mood. You know what I mean? The last time we spoke, I was in a world of pain. So uh, I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling great.
1: Fab. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing
3: great. Doing great after yesterday, of course yeah can't complain man can't complain it's
1: painful man everyone's doing I want to hear a sad story from someone please Uh, this podcast makes money from people's sorrows not from people's glory that's what this podcast is built on um Aaron I'll come back to you in a second Baines how are you man
0: oh I'm doing great as well isn't it I think everyone's doing great other than you
1: (laughs) oh man fun um aaron i didn't tell you this before because we don't tell anyone when they're new to the pod but because you're new to the pod firstly welcome secondly you have to tell us a fun fact about yourself
3: a fun fact about myself um well thank you first of all for having me on the pod um been following this for a while so it's very very good to be on um myself and back to the fun fact about myself um I don't think I've ever spent more than three or four years in the same school in my entire life due to me and my family moving so much throughout Europe. So, from Germany to Belgium, even in Belgium itself, I never spent more than three or four years in the same school. So, it tells you how much we moved when I was a kid.
1: Mad. I feel yeah. like it's a whole different podcast. Like, why were we, your family moving loads? What did your dad do for a job? Are you lot loaded? Because I feel if you're moving country to country, someone's making bank somewhere.
3: so yeah that's an interesting fact about myself nice
1: nice. Um, Hamza you're sat in New York currently Um, I'm very jealous because New York just even like, like the back if you're watching this on YouTube by the way and for those that have just started listening and don't know where to watch the pod it is now available on a no ratings pod YouTube channel you're just sat in front of a brown building, but just because it's New York, I'm like, oh, that's the nicest brown building you're I've right. ever seen.
2: <laughs> to be fair, this is a very pretty neighborhood. So, yeah, it's not the wrong impression to frame it like this.
1: Yeah. Living bougie, man. Living bougie. <laughs> um, yes, for those of you listening, make sure you follow the pod, subscribe, drop it some likes, whatever you need to do. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you do the same. If you're a United fan, strap in. This might be the most enjoyment you have. For, for the entirety of this week, because you've already won the Carabao Cup, you've got West Ham in between, you've got Liverpool at the end of the week, you can celebrate come the end of the week. For this next however many minutes, we are just going to dissect as to why Manchester United are good, potentially great again, and is or isn't Eric Ten Hart working miracles. Hamza's just sat up in his chair. Here we fucking go. Right. Um, first of all, Carabao Cup. You. what a win Baines to be fair I actually messaged you Baines and I was a little bit worried when you replied because I hadn't seen you tweet and I was like you know I've just won a Carabao and Baines isn't sat on Twitter is everyone alright
0: yeah I'll be honest I deleted Twitter to revise for exams didn't it for uni but then I'm like I just can't be asked to download it again
1: and what then the moment you get a message going do you want to hop on the pod next day you're like scrap uni
0: I want to talk about Eric Den Haag Listen, that man is a miracle worker, man. <laughs> uh, let's just get started, man. Let's just get started. You see what that guy has done over seven <laughs> months has been incredible. Because I remember after the 4-0 against Brentford, I was just there. I'm just like, oh, like, it's going to be another long season. And I trusted him now, but I'm just like, I- how are you going to get something out of these players? Like, look at Rashford, for example. I don't think he's the best player in Europe. I still don't think he is, but... The fact that he's even in that conversation after scoring like five league goals, I think it was last year. Incredible. Luke Shaw is in that conversation for best left back in the league. Or even the world right now. That's how much Eric Tenag has had an impact on a lot of our underperforming players from last season. And then the signings. That that call that we have right now of Casemiro, Varane and Martinez. Three world-class players. I think Casemiro is the best DM in the world. I think Martinez is in the conversation for best centre back in the world. It just shows, like, how far we've come. Like, last season, that was Maguire and Scott McTominay. Mm. The signings that Eric Ten Hag has signed, obviously, have been brilliant. (laughs) And and just overall, like, we signed Weghorst and United fans weren't really complaining. Like, Mm. I don't think people realise, like, any other manager that signed a player that was on Burnley scored two goals, everyone would have been crying about it. We signed Weggos and no one complained. Well, most of us didn't complain, I complained, and most of us. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, that's what I said. Most of us, it? we're buying, it. and we're happy with how Weggos is kind of performing, kind of thing. That just shows what Eric Tenog is doing, and I'm just so happy, man. Just so happy.
1: Um, Hamza, I just want to like caveat for people who didn't listen to the first podcast. Hamza was on. He whinges about everything anyway. So totally. I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised you complain about white Wegos. Uh, When you were first on this podcast, I I distinctly remember, like, it was basically 40 minutes of you shouting about things sat in your flat. Now you're in a cafe, drinking a very expensive coffee, in front of a very expensive building, wearing mittens. Um, Like, life is different.
2: (laughs) Times have changed, mate. Times
1: have changed. I'm
2: warm, I'm out. (laughs) Um, No, mate, listen, within the same season, again, if if you'd seen the first two games this season and you told me, Six months later, maybe we're going to be lifting a trophy. You know, I might have believed you because I believed in Eric ten Hag, but I would have been shocked at uh, how that came about. You know, um, I genuinely thought we had three seasons of work ahead of us, just because of the, the the rot that had taken hold in our club from top to bottom. I was like, I trust this man to figure it out, but he's going to take it's going to take time. It's going to take such a long time. These players, I can't imagine their confidence is lower right now. And he has to get them believing in themselves. He has to get them playing well. He has to integrate new players. He has to be supported by the board. Like, there was so much work to do for us to start thinking we were going to win anything again. So for us to be talking here today now, having uh, lifted a cup yesterday, you know, we have to respect that. We have to respect that. That is quite a turnaround. You know, it's, a, it's for me, it's a hopeful turnaround, not just for United, but every other team in the league who's um, struggling, including your own right now you should, uh, should, should be looking at this you know <laughs> things can change quickly when you get the right people in charge and the you know um support them and trust them
1: um, are, you, are you pro glazers now
2: no absolutely not i think that's <laughs> one of i think that is one of the the downsides to uh, the day yesterday is that avram glazer was there feeling like a winner you know we don't need him feeling like a winner we need him to move on quick um and so you know there's that kind of success that you're celebrating with Ten Hag and what's happening with the club but um, if that results in the Glazers thinking, oh, great, we're winners again, we should stick around, the good times are back, then it's going to be a problem, you know what I mean? I, I, I do think there's uh, something to be said about all the rumours of us getting bought, um, which is helping the atmosphere at United right now. It's settled the fans. We are thinking we're to, uh, we're, we've got the right man and hopefully the right owner soon to go forward. Um, so, no, the Glazers can go, never Glazers, uh, and always United.
1: All right, lovely. We've had your two-minute elevator pitch. Aaron, um, what what has Ten Hag done? Let's let's get into the nitty-gritty because as we can hear and those at home, they can clearly hear you guys are very happy. You've won a trophy, Carabao Cup, very, very valuable trophy. Let me add that for those that think it isn't. When you're in it and you, you want to win it, it is very, very valuable. And momentum is a massive thing in football. I tweeted this yesterday and honestly, it's hilarious because people were t- replying to me going, aren't you meant to be a Liverpool fan? And I was like, listen... Let him, let him have it for a little bit, you know? Like Times are hard for us. Let someone else celebrate for a minute. Um, what has Ten Hag actually done? Because on the face of it, people are going, you know, he's bought in the right players. And yes, he has. But that wasn't the case for United for many, many years. United have constantly bought in players. It's not a case of he came, bought in a few random players and they just happen to be the players that have elevated United to where they are now.
3: I think what Ten Hag has managed to do in a short space of time is get everyone on board, um, whether it's the players, staff members, uh, pe- even people at, in higher positions at the club. We live in an era where, especially fans, they want to see results straight away. They want to see a manager come in and within the, si- the first five to six months, they want to be able to see what brand of football you're playing. Mm. Um, and if that doesn't happen, then call it for someone's head. And I think Ten Hag has managed to have a long-term vision is good, but I think results matter in the first in the first season at least. People want to see results, and people want to see you having your style or your the way you want to play football implemented in the team straight away. And I think he's managed to do that. Yes, it massively backfired in the, within the first two games. But I'm glad that he stuck with his guns. I'm, I'm glad that he was stubborn and said, no, this is going to work. And you guys are not going to throw me under the bus like you've done with the previous managers. And obviously the whole uh, uh, story of him running with the team came out in training after we lost to, to Brighton and, and, and Brentford. And I think that might have been the shift that the players needed. That might have been the change of mentality that the players needed. Yes, we can have horrible performances, but if we do... The manager's going to take responsibility for this as well, and that moment changed everything for the for, for the team. And I think from from that moment on, they just went on to, you know, do the things that we've seen so far. And if you would have told me that in the first season we would sit in top four, uh, <laughs> we'd get rid of Ronaldo, not play Maguire, and win the Carabao Cup, I probably would have told you you're crazy. <laughs> uh, hmm. As much as as much as I wasn't. Ronaldo's biggest fan, I still thought that having that type of presence in your team can help, especially with the younger players. And, you know, he's passing down experience, etc., etc. But to completely get rid of him and to get the criticism that he got from everyone, can't get rid of Ronaldo, you're wrong for this. You're going to see, it's going to backfire, Ten Hag, Eric. You're going to see Eric getting rid of Ronaldo. It's going to not play Maguire. It's going to backfire Eric at some point. No, not at all we've not seen any weakness since those decisions have been made, made and even with the Sancho decision I questioned it and I was like is this really the right decision to make Eric to send him away to a different country is this really what you want to do I don't know but look at how is how it turned out Rashford he's been on goal scoring form like crazy recently Late to a team meeting, you're on the bench against Wolf. So he's made a lot of decisions and he's really stamped down, um, his, his stamped down his authority and he's really let everyone know that he's the boss and every decision he makes will be the right one. And if, he, if it does go wrong, he'll take responsibility for it.
2: I think that's the thing I was going to say about the, uh, those first two games. Like, um, I think those first two games, there was such a disaster that I think that's when really Ten Hag got to assert his authority. That's when he was like, OK, now I feel like I have the license to say I need to change something dramatically. And I don't have to start with Maguire uh, at the back. I don't have to start with, you know, this, this, this back four. Um, I think that's it almost needed to happen for him to really, really like get his grip on this club and say, OK, I'm making some drastic changes. And who would blame him at that point when you just lost your opening two games of the season? You know, um, I think you have a OK couple of results and it might have taken a lot longer for Ten Hag to really, really assert himself because, you know, any new manager is not going to want to come and bench the club captain straight away. That is a drastic move to make, especially a popular one who has mates uh, in the starting eleven. Um, And it's the same issue that other managers struggled with in the past couple of years with, with that kind of cohort of uh, British players at United who were kind of like, you know, uh, agitating for different things to happen. The first two games were such a mess that I think... Um, from then on, it, it was hard to question Ten Hag's decision because we immediately went and batted Liverpool. <laughs> and, you know, uh, what are you going to say after that? What you we've just lost two games, we've dropped, the, we've dropped the captain, we bring on new signings, we've, Anthony starts and uh, Liverpool beaten. So, you know, it, it was a real turning point. Um, I don't want to, like, you know, just, uh, just destroy Maguire here and, like, kind of fully blame him for everything. I'm just saying changes had to happen. And um, I think one of the big things he did, actually, was... I think people were making fun of him for bringing a bunch of um, players from Ajax over as if like he didn't know, you know, uh, people in, in other clubs and other markets and stuff. I think what helps is when you bring someone like uh, Martinez over with you and he's such a dominant character at the back, he's such a forceful character and he's someone who you don't have to convince as a manager of your skills, he's, he's played with you, you know? Uh, he brings already that uh, assurance to the, rest, to the rest of the back four of like, trust this guy. I've worked with him for a number of years, trust this guy. So I think it was such a big coup to bring over these characters who he already has a good relationship with, help them kind of like infect the rest of the team with that attitude of trust this manager, trust this manager, he's been amazing for us. Anthony comes over, trust this manager, he's been amazing for us. Um, And I think that helps. That helps any new manager really kind of get hold of his new players and get them to start believing it as well.
1: I just want to say like the the constant mention of Liverpool is needless. (laughs) I'm already in pain, you know, (laughs) like... I, I just had surgery and you keep poking at my stitches for no reason.
2: <laughs> I mentioned it because I was uh you know listen a big rivalry, of course but I was a huge huge admirer of what you guys were doing at Anfield, you know. And I think uh it was hard for United to imagine um something like that happening so quickly over here. So I think like if I'm going to compare what's happening with United now it's like what's happening with Liverpool when, when when Klopp turned up, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was it was it was a new a new beginning to the club, a new belief, a new idea that we could win things and um, it didn't have to take us 30 odd years for us to kind of get there, you know. So that's that's what I'm excited about, is that I feel the same um, equivalence at United now.
1: The uh, aura thing is massive for me. Like you just said there, like when Klopp came in, there was like a, an immediate feeling of like, we have to believe him As football fans, you, that's the biggest thing that you kind of have to hold on to. Because if your manager's not getting results or if you're signing players or not quite settling or things aren't quite working... When you've got like a manager who's got aura that you believe in, you can almost like bypass everything. You can almost like go. Doesn't matter what any whatever happens. I just believe in this guy, and so whatever he says, we will follow. You saw that yesterday, obviously after the the Carabao Cup final, uh, and at the time of listening, it will be two days ago. That when they were the players were celebrating with Ten Hag. It was like the fans were tweeting anything Ten Hag did, like Ten Hag would like itch his head, and people were like, "Oh, he's the best head itcher in the world." I was like, you know, like you get that, like <laughs> such a he buyer. Was the best
2: <laughs> head itcher in the world. I like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's like a there's a feeling around the guy that like um, you guys clearly believe in him, which is pretty nuts considering he's only been here for however many months, and considering the fact that in actual fact, at the start of the season, it was all going pear shaped and. It was almost as if, and I, th- I think in football, luck is a big thing. I'm not saying he's lucky, but hear me out before everyone starts attacking me. Um, I think he came in at a time when obviously the Glazers were getting a lot of heat from United fans, and he came in and went, I need more. And that was exactly what United fans wanted to hear. They didn't want to hear someone come in and go, I'll deal with this squad the way I can. The board are doing whatever they can. You know, like he literally came and went, don't put me with them. I'll separate myself from them. I coach this team. I'll try and make this team win, but I need more. This team needs more. We need more time. Um, Bain, you're a... You're, uh, I did hit, I did actually see your face, by the way, when Aaron said something about Ronaldo. Um, to this day, do you still agree that that... Seven people... goals
0: in the last two games in AUNASA, man. I've been there
1: watching. <laughs> <laughs> I I've
0: watched every single AUNASA game, you know? <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm there on Friday like again. I like think, think they're playing Al Batten, who are last in the league.
1: That's, that's dedication, man. That's <laughs> right?
0: crazy, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, fair play to Sky Sports as well, because they've been showing the games, is it?
1: That's the Ronaldo effect, man. Like, wherever he goes, I know we're not going to talk mm-hmm. too much about him, but wherever he goes, like, I think they did their live stream his first game. And I remember it had like every... 112,000 people watching at one time. I was like, this is nuts. They've and, done and every they've, single they've game other streamed...
3: their last game. Yeah, they've live streamed every game since, I think, from Al
1: that's crazy. Fair play. Wow. Fair
3: play, though. It brings in the numbers and people clearly watch, so yeah. It's
1: Ronaldo. Ronaldo's just sat at home going, listen to this pod going, yeah, can't chat about if Eve without chatting about me. <laughs> 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 um, basically, just very quickly on that Ronaldo decision, obviously, this po- only positives for, for a little while. Are you still on side with the decision? I can't remember. Actually, were you on side or were you not on side mm-hmm. with him getting rid of
0: Ronaldo? I said that Ronaldo had dug his whole kind of thing in it. It was the best for all parties. Ronaldo did the interview to force a move. Mm. Which is why I'm like, it, it had, even though I was frustrated with how it ended, it had to end. For both sides, kind of thinking innit? Ronaldo go outside and go play. United, go progress without Cristiano Ronaldo. Because there was a clear like cloud over Ronaldo every single time, innit? Even mm. as a fan, and I love Ronaldo, it was getting frustrated every single time Ten play Ronaldo. Ronaldo scores this chance, kind of thing, innit? Even though I'm like just relax kind of thing. Like, we're not going to be the complete side straight away we're with Ronaldo without Ronaldo. And clearly, listen, the decision worked because what? We're flying right now. So fair play to Tenoch. Because it was a brave decision as well. Like, normally, listen, this is Ronaldo we're talking about. Every manager normally plays and kind of thing, isn't it? Tenog stuck to his guns and he's worked. That that's, Sorry, go yeah. on.
2: No, I was going to say, I was going to say, I think it is a bit of a shame. Uh, like, I, you know, it's, I almost forgot whole Ronaldo stuff happened this season like this is how busy this season has been for me like it's I, I completely forgot I think we had the World Cup straight after that so like you know you you come back to the season and you forget he was your player um I think it is a shame like imagine the job that uh Woot Weghorst is doing for us right now Ronaldo could have done that job you know what I mean I think Ronaldo could have probably done that job better than Wood. not even probably of course he could have done it better than Woods. Ronaldo but um I think it was a big challenge where you had a superstar who refused to accept that he wasn't a starting uh, 11 player no more, um, and that's on that's on Ronaldo's end, that's that's on his end. I don't blame that Ten Hag. Ten Hag was tactically smart um, to tell him you're going to be playing a specific role now. So that's on Ronaldo's end, and evidently. It was true. Like, where is he playing now in the Saudi league? Like, clearly you weren't a starting 11 for a Champions League football team. That's just not, you were badly advised, you know, combination of probably your agent and Pierce Morgan led you astray there <laughs> and you've ended up in the deserts of Saudi Arabia. Like, you know, it wasn't the right decision for Ronaldo, but it was for Ten Hag. So if you're talking about making a statement, you're telling this guy, hey, listen, I have a role for you. I just need you to follow that. He said, no. Okay, well, I've gone and got Woot Weghorst to do that role that I expected you to do. And look, it's working, it's functioning. You could have been part of this team. You could have stuck around. You could have like, been part of this uh, rebuild legacy. Um, so I do think it was a shame Ronaldo could have, you know, happily spent this season here at United um, and moved on in the summer if he if, if wanted. Um, but, you know, how well did he handle that? Again, masterful. Absolutely masterful. To the point where I'm sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, Ronaldo played for us at the start of the season. <laughs> that's, that's testament to how well he's managed that transition. You know, the guys are genius. Honest,
0: I don't think Ronaldo does the job where does does though. You don't like, think Wegg, so? Nah, nah. nah. We- Weghorst is a completely different type of player. Like, we know the biggest thing we get with Weghorst is energy, legs. Like, there's no way we will go to the campaign with Ronaldo in the 10, for example.
2: I hear he, that. He, I mean, he, he could do
0: that with Weghorst because Weghorst, we know energy. He's a selfless forward kind of thing. I, mean, of this way, this
2: way. I don't think we go to nah. New Camp with Weghorst if uh, if Martial is fit. Like, That is a backup we're struggling and has to play kind of situation. But even that, given that situation, like. Yes, woot runs way more than Ronaldo, but I would still wager Ronaldo's probably slightly faster than 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 woot, you know what I mean, like woot running and Ronaldo running unmotivated is probably the same speed you know, <laughs> so then, given what happens when they get on the ball, I think like I would trust Ronaldo then to find the pass or to 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 score even than woot because you know we haven't been necessarily playing to his strengths, he is having to play as a number ten, we're not crossing a ball for him, so like I don't think it's like quite the team isn't quite fit for 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 whatever he brings. Um, and I'm imagining Ronaldo in that hole. I think he could have done it. He probably could have held it up better than Boots as well. Um, but regardless, it's not the role that he wanted, you know, so he had to move on.
1: I think that's probably where the cookie crumbles, isn't it? It's like, I, I think if, and I think Baines and Hamza, you both actually correct in a way, because I agree that Ronaldo couldn't do the role Wagos does, but if Ronaldo wanted to, Ronaldo could,
2: but
3: he exactly. didn't want to.
1: So it's kind of like, do you know what I mean? Like, if I don't think he could, you know. You don't think so? Really? I think if, if you convinced Ronaldo that that was his role in the side, and this is what I'm saying, I think I where I agree is that if you convinced him that that is your role in the side and that if you want to win and if you want to succeed, this is how we are going to succeed together. Ronaldo said, no, I'm like not interested. But I'm saying from a technical standpoint, Ronaldo can play can play that. It's not, the, Wego's role isn't
0: revolutionary. He's, he's playing a... St- no, no, but I, I think, listen, we're forgetting Ronaldo is 37, 38. Can you really, like, Wegust is one of the best best... Uh, whoa. 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 Best it's a podcast, bro. Relax, bro. <laughs> I know I have to be but let's chill with the breast relations. No, no. Wegust hey. is <laughs> Listen, one of the best... Listen, you and
1: Ru have your own relationship, man, when you're talking
2: about breasts and stuff. You know, this, this <laughs> is a more podcast. Hey. This is a we might need edit, out. We <laughs> might need
0: edit out. We well, might need to edit it out. But I was going to say, Wegust is one of the best pressers in in the league, statistically, kind of, thing, isn't it? Hmm. Ronaldo, like, as much as I love Ronaldo and he's still my goal, Ronaldo's not that guy for the pressing game kind of thing, isn't it? Mm. in terms of that aspect, which is why I still think what Weggles brings to the team is completely different to what Ronaldo brings to the team. But Ronaldo cannot do what Weggles is doing, for example, in the Camp new. Mm, They're just completely fair. different profiles of players.
2: Aaron, your thoughts on that, mate? Where do you stand on this?
3: I, I agree with Baines. I think um, it would have been very hard for Ronaldo to do the, the job that Weggles is doing at the moment. Yeah. Um, not just from a physical standpoint, but also, you know, just the sheer amount of pressing and everything that happens in midfield nowadays in the Premier League is so quick, it's so fast. It's, it can get physical at times, you know, sometimes you don't always get the fouls that you're looking for and we all know Ronaldo likes to look for a foul here and there. So it would have been tough for him to do that role, to, to be in that role that Weghorst plays and like like Baines mentioned as well, the pressing Ronaldo's not really the best at that. I think Ronaldo's ego wouldn't have allowed him to be like, you know what? Yes, I can do that role. I think his ego would have told him, no, I want to be up front and I want to score the goals. That's what he would have probably told Ten Hag if that conversation was had. Um, so I don't think Ronaldo would could have could have played in that role. Mm. In I think he would have said, no, I want to be the number one striker or just leave me out.
0: And I don't blame Ronaldo for thinking that considering what he's done in his career kind of thing, isn't it? He's done every right... To ask to be that guy, which is why I think the the role Weggles is doing is just a completely different. Like, you need a certain type of character to do that. Ronaldo's mm. well, not that character. There's no way a, a traditional striker, let's say, is going to be doing it because we know how strikers want goals. And I just think Weggles is just completely different to that.
2: I mean, if you ever want a uh, definition of the Ten Hag uh, effect we got people talking about Woot Weghorst is better than Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. mate. That's how, yeah. you know. yeah. you know That's how
0: you know. That's how you know. Let me go back to backing Ronaldo now. Yeah? And I'm not, I'm not saying... You know who clicked this in the wrong way, my boy. I, I know you. I'm not saying Weghorst is better than Ronaldo. Ronaldo's my goal. I still think Ronaldo is, better, is our best striker, you know, if he was here. I still stand by it. But I'm just saying for the role, he's different.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen. I, I think yeah. I think it's uh, it was a big decision for the for the club and United uh, for uh, the club and uh, Ronaldo, obviously. And you know, he just went the most severe route and decided to go public with everything. And and you know, he was never going to come back from that. I just imagine now him watching from afar what's going on with his team. And you're looking at players like Woot who are like contributing and and having an impact on on um, on like United he could have he could have done that he could have all he had to do was just humble himself a little bit and he could have done that and he would have been very very useful for us in that role um I do think he would have um connected the ball better than Woot does at times I do think he would have been more of a goal threat than Woot is like I do think we would have been able to uh, play around him in the way we do with Woot um but he just had to accept that role and become almost kind of like a father ambassador figure to these young players who needed him at that time and he um you know, he lashed out more than they did. Um, so I think, like, listen, Ten Hag moved him on. Ultimately, it was the right decision just about because, you know, we forget what happened in January. The transfer market was an absolute disaster. This team, Ten Hag, is doing this not because they were getting, like, backed and supported. This is in spite of what happened in January. If another club had the the the, the winter that we had um, and you bring in Woot Weghorst and a last-minute um, signing in Sabitzer when Eriksen gets injured... You would be, you would be angry. You'd be pissed. You'd be like, I'm so close to doing something here. I'm still, you know, trying to go after four trophies here. Back me. Give me something. So, you know, I, I do think, like, as far as um, the club and the board are concerned, they are still behaving as they were from for the past decade. Like, they're still kind of catching up to what's happening on the pitch. But on the pitch, the manager and the player are in a different place. They're, they're like, you know, seasons ahead of where, the, where the board is still. Um, so I think considering the disappointment of January, considering you've just come back from the World Cup, you've got tired players and you haven't bought in any reinforcements, for us to then continue, carry on and win game after game after game after game and end up with a trophy, um, it's, it's it's remarkable. You know what I mean? Name me a new manager who came into the Premier League and had this level of impact immediately. I got one. Here Conte. we go.
0: Thomas we Tuchel go. won the Champo League with Chelsea. Let's not forget. I was going to say, Conte, first season won the League of Chelsea.
3: Yeah, true. Conte yeah. did. Uh, there that was quite a big that's of fair big that's
2: fair that's fair That's fair. Yeah. i said name me one you guys named six there but like you know uh, <laughs> i'm just saying given given you know I, it's funny i see i see this first season for Ten Hag almost as um an audition to um the kind of like insular figures in, in British football who were just dismissing whatever he'd kind of done in in, in uh, Ajax and stuff and mm. were just like purely committed and and determined to bring in someone who had Premier League experience and was like, you know, uh, and is dude off, including his signings that he's bringing over. Martinez is too tiny for a for Premier League football, you know, this, this league that's full of horses and, you know, giants. Like, there's no way he's going to survive. Like, all of these comments. Not that he needed for me to convince United fans because I think we were all pretty excited about him even before he turned up. But I think this season was just to get the British, um, just like you know, broader football community to understand what he's all about. And I don't think you're gonna hear anyone sniggering at Ten Hag's even his signings, whatever he brings in. You know what I mean? He can he can turn Woot into a uh, you know someone who should be uh, talked about for Ballon d'Or according to Baines. <laughs> so you know what I mean? Like he's he's <laughs> he's uh, he's got it. He's, he's he's just doing that. This season is for everyone else to accept that Ten Hag's the man. And next but, next season we kick on from that.
3: I'm actually I'm actually um, I just wanted to add on what to you just um what you just said the Hamza I'm actually surprised that it that it took Lissandra Martinez for a lot of you know British football fans to go oh hold on a minute people can come to the Premier League and well I'm not going to say hit the ground running but you know succeed in the Premier League I'm surprised because we've seen so many examples of quote-unquote short players come to the Premier League and people question oh is it going to be too physical is it We've seen countless players come to the Premier League, not be giants and horses, like Hamza said, and absolutely shell it in the Premier League. Eden Hazard came from the French League and everybody was questioning, like, ooh, you know, he had he had a choice between this club and this club and this club, and he chose Chelsea. Is, is the style really his? And is he going to fit in the Premier League? Look at what he did in the Premier League. You look at people like David Silva. I, I've seen a couple of people question him. Kevin De Bruyne, when he came from Germany, from Wolfsburg, people questioning him, like, so many people question people that are not Premier League proven and have so much to say when in reality you just, you know, if you really watch these players in their foreign leagues, they've done the talking already. They might have done the talking in Europe, but because in in, in this country was so focused on the Premier League, we don't really pay attention to what's going on outside. So yeah. I yeah. just wish that it... it, it Doesn't have we didn't have to take someone like Lissandra Martinez for people to go oh hold on a minute you can come from the Eredivisie for example and come to the Premier League and be a success you can come from the French league and be a success or from Germany wherever you're coming from so yeah Yeah. it's it's just a bit it's disappointing but
2: also just to build on that I feel like all the um all the people who are throwing those kind of comments are still off that mentality that the Premier League is like uniquely physical and aggressive and like you know these short skillful players from the continent are going to struggle. I just think that they played at the time in the Premier League when it was a league of just, um, you know, physicality. The Mm -hmm. Premier League football in itself in the past 10, 15 years, um, through introduction of managers like Pep and stuff, um, has moved on. You know what I mean? The the, the game is not too dissimilar to the game in, in the continent now. We're all playing with possession football. We're all trying to pass. We're all trying to get through the lines. So I think like there is a... Like, I think people almost like expecting people to fail as if they're coming into the Premier League in the 90s. This is a different league now. Skill matters. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Your positioning sense matters. Your, Your mentality matters. And your physicality less and less so as the seasons move on because everyone is trying to play good football now. Um, so I think, like, I was surprised to still be hearing those kind of comments in uh, 2022, 2023, when, as you say, there's been so many examples of players who've come into the league and, and, and express themselves because they have the capacity to do that now. Premier League is not about destructive football no more. It is about trying to win Champions League, playing playing um, good football. Um, so, you know, again, it's it's a shame that it had to take, like... I don't know how, how many games run that we went on of, of wins before people started to believe in players like Mark. He, he won the world cup for God's sake. You know what I mean? Like this guy knows what he's doing. Um, but you know, again, like I said, this season was for Ten Hag to get everyone else except for United fans on his side. Cause I think we were, we were ready. We were, we were excited. Um, and you know, um, mate, the clubs, the clubs go in places, man. The clubs go places.
1: Aye, aye. Um, so I've just sat here for ten minutes. This is the least you'll ever hear me talking a pod. I've just sat here for ten minutes, let everyone else talk. Um and just sunk further and further into my seat. Um you took it down the tactical route. So I think that is to be fair where I wanted to go next anyway, with the with the way Ten Hag plays football, with the way United play football. Because I think for a lot of people were sat there and me included, in all fairness, and I do have a few caveats, but today's not the right pod for that. I'll wait until United lose a couple of games before I throw them caveats in. Today's not the safe space to be. I doing know that. what he's gonna say. He's gonna <laughs> say Rashford <laughs> FC in it. Hey, listen, no here comments. No comments here we today. Go. Um we you're you're a massive tactical head, and I've i I've seen your occasional tweet here and there. Um we'll, so we'll start on on your point. In terms of tactically, what has Ten Hag done that's actually made United into this team? Because I do feel a lot of people watch United right now. And and if you watch the Barcelona game, United managed to go toe-to-toe with Barca and play high-pressing football at times. Then, of course, we've seen you beat City by playing with a slightly lower block. Um, but then equally, you've played against Newcastle, scored two when people were going. Newcastle dominated the game. There's a knack, obviously. There's a knack there right now that United will just continue to win games on a conveyor belt. But tactically speaking, how do you
0: think that's happened in your eyes? I think the biggest thing for me has been kind of Ten Hag understanding we can't play his football to the level that he wants in it. Mm-hmm. I think the first two games kind of showed it. Then he he tried he went a bit more pragmatic, and I think that's that's been the key for Manchester United over the last the run that we've been on our pragmatic mm-hmm. approach. Because at times we've had to kind of sit back. What we're doing so well is which which I'm kind of surprised about is we're staying in games. Even yesterday, like you, you you probably want to laugh at us, but Newcastle were probably the better team in the first half. We still we still stayed in the game, we still scored the goal. I think that's just something that Ten Hag has installed, and it's not tactical. It's just how we just stay in games. But how like, is
1: that? How like how do you like as a team just go like is your gaffer just coming in at halftime going, just stay alive in this game? That like on a
0: on a like a deeper level. I don't mean shit. Like just. exactly which is why I'm, I just can't explain it at times where I'm like, how do we just stay in games? I can, I, just- um,
2: can I speculate about one of one. the thing which I think has like been a huge, huge uh difference between like tactically why we're in a different place. And again, we go back to the, the center backs. Um Lissandra Martinez can pass the ball through um through the midfield. He can pass the ball forward, right? And we didn't have, for a number of seasons, a centre-back who could pass the ball forward. They knew how to pass it side to side, and they knew, they knew how to get it to a full-back who'd be struggling, because they'd be getting pressed. But we did, we, you would just see centre-backs struggling on the ball. Combine that with not having a midfielder who can collect the ball and pass it forward quick. Not linger on it, like, Casemiro is not looking to do dribbles and flashy stuff. He's looking to get the ball forward quick. Those two things have been... Hugely transformative for United, and put that same United with the same Ten Hag mentality, with um, with Maguire and Lindelof at, at centre backs, and put Fred and McTominay in, in midfield again, and you watch, you watch all the kind of fizz and joy and entertainment go out that team immediately. <laughs> It is that critical to have a centre-back who can pass the ball forward through the lines and to have a midfielder who doesn't dither and can just get the ball quick up front. For me, that is, we've had those players at the front for a while ready to do their business. But when you can't get the ball to them, when you spent the whole 45 minutes just in your half because every time De Gea gets, gets the ball, he he's passes it to Maguire and, and Lindelof and they're dithering about with each other or they gave it to McTominay and he passed it back to De Gea, you're not going to get anywhere. I think one of the key things that he did was bring in Martinez with that magic left foot of his who can just drill it through, get it either straight up to Rashford on the left or get it up to the midfielders who can turn. And obviously, we had Ericsson for more than half the season, so he, he could also contribute to this. But that is the key. That's the key. That's the big, big difference between United this season and last is we can get the, we can get the ball forward. You know. Um, and and, and, and you, know, you can trust these players up front to do, to do the job. When they know the ball's coming, but they used to lose so much motivation just standing there, just dry grass waiting for the ball to reach them. That, like, you can see why even when did manage to break through the lines, there was not no uh, pattern to our play then because we were all in such defensive positions, we just couldn't do anything. So I think like fundamental and listen, this will be if you go back to Liverpool. Uh, I keep using Liverpool because you're the only uh, like you know non-United person on this on this court. But If you go back to Liverpool, what difference did did Van Dijk make? You again had a, had, had a, had a centre-back who, yes, he was a phenomenal defender, but you trusted him to be able to get the ball forward. You trusted him to be able to ping that ball up uh, to, to uh, Trent on the right and stuff like this. It's transformative. Like You've got to be able to get the ball through that um, first line quickly. And uh, now we have a defender who can do that. Um, we haven't had that for a while.
3: Can I, can I just add to it? Um... Um, onto what um, Baines was saying about us being able to stay in a game so, for so long, even when we're getting dominated and stuff. What I like, what Ten Hag did, one of the first things he did, or the first thing he did was, because he was there at the Palace game last season, which was the last game of the season. And I think one of one thing that he noticed very quickly is that we conceded way too easily. That was one of the things that everyone complained about last season. We conceded goals, but way too easily. So when he came in, the first thing he did, minus the two first games, of course, was he made sure that we were hard to beat. The attacking part will take care of itself because the quality of players will do whatever they want when they need to. But at the back, he needed to make sure that we were hard to beat, hard to break down. So the likes of Lissandro Martinez being there, like Hamza just mentioned, being able to play out from the back, but also being the pain in the ass to, to, to attackers. Do you know what I mean? Sorry to bring this up again, but the Liverpool game at home, within the first minute... I remember the ball being fizzed into Salah and Martinez was right there. He cleared the ball, cleared Salah with him, stood up and gave him a little shoulder bars to tell him like, yo, I'm on you today. Like, I'm not letting you go. And those little things matter because other teammates see this and go, oh, hold on. Yeah, that's why you see these little, people might find this funny and find this a bit weird, but... When we do get a clearance, that's why you see these guys high-fiving each other when someone gets a tackle in. Those are little things that maybe might not matter to fans or to, to, to the neutral, sorry, but to us United fans and especially to the teammates, those things matter a lot. And then you start building and building and building. Now we're able to be dominated, but we can score against the run of play. And that's happened a number of times this season. Yes, we can play the pretty football, but sometimes, like Bain said, we know how to be pragmatic, and that's one of the things I, I commend Ten Hag about, about. Because I commend him for because he came into the Premier League and saw, hold on, I need to learn here. I can't just come here with my pretty football. I need to change something. Mm-hmm. And he's someone who learns so quick, and that's something I've noticed as well. He learns so quick, and he immediately applies or rectifies his errors. If he notices something's not working rectifies it straight away. That's why I think we're the only team in the Premier League that's had more half-time changes than anyone else. That's because he sees something, notices it and goes I need to change it before before it goes bad. So that's yeah. that's one thing yeah. those are things I can only commend him for.
2: He's, I mean it took it took Pep even a few seasons to kind of get his head around the, you know, uh, what you had to do tactically in, in the Premier League so like again it sh- it shouldn't just go um, unacknowledged how amazing this transition season has been for us you know like this he really is um I know you keep calling him good but he really is phenomenal in you know um in the way he is coming to terms with the game and as you say making changes on the move and and figuring things out you know um it's it's yeah
1: Happy days, isn't it? It's just happy days, isn't it? Um,
2: <laughs> and Casemiro, Casemiro, yeah, we going. cannot go another minute without mentioning that man. Oh my
1: God, oh I'm, my I'm going God. there next. To be fair, um, we've mentioned Martinez. We've obviously mentioned Rashford briefly, Shaw as well. Casemiro, though, I think that is probably the biggest hole that United have to fix. Um, not just, I think, not just in terms of footballer, because what he what he provides is insanely good. Um, there are some stats out there about how many, how much XG United concede when he's playing versus when he's not. If you just watched the first half of the Leeds game, that the one that ended two-two, when Casemiro was, I think he was injured, no, he was suspended for that game. The holes in midfield were hilarious. It was, it was like so bad to watch. Um, but then also on top of that, the moment that stood out for me in the game was when he, I think he did like shoulder Joel Linton over, I think, and then dived in front of the fans and like he cheered. And I was like, brother, you've won like so many Champions Leagues and our Leaguers. Why the? F- do you care about the Carabao Cup? Like, what's going on? But I think he's a serial winner. His record in finals is he's won 15 out of 16, which is no coincidence. Like, that it's just nuts to have a player like that in your in your side in your changing room. Um, he's a he's a wall. But I just I look at him and I do think. And I think Benzi, did you say at the start that he's the best DM in the world?
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> because some uh, people were trying to put party in that conversation. We were. What in- about what, okay? What about Rodri? See, I think uh, Casemiro is better than Rodri, but at least with Rodri, I'll be like, you know what? I can hear that comparison with party dancers, no.
1: And do you think if Rodri played for United, he'd be better than
0: you are with Casemiro?
1: No. Okay, so-
0: and the reason I say that, I think Tenog identified after the first two games, like, we just needed a defensive midfielder. Like, mm. Forget on the ball We Like Aaron said, we were conceding goals way too easily. Casemiro, in terms of breaking up play, is the best defensive, like, destroy in the world. And that's something United have liked for so many years. And I don't think Rodri, for example, off, like, off the ball in terms of that breaking up play is as good as Casemiro. Obviously, Rodri then has his bonuses on the ball. But I just think for that role that we needed, it had to be Casemiro, which is why I still say Casemiro is the best DM in the league. But And then you can add... Let's be honest, he probably has surprised a lot of people on the ball. I think Gary Neville, was it Gary Neville or Roy Keane saying yesterday? like He's looked a lot better on the ball than they would have thought because, listen, you're playing next to Modric to Cruz. You're not really going to shine when you're playing with two of the best midfielders that we've ever seen.
1: That does kind of come back to the point that Hamza said earlier about Uh, certain footballers from abroad and Aaron said it as well come to the Premier League and there's this immediate opinion that like they just won't settle or whatever Mm. Um, the impression about Casemiro before he came was that he can't play football like genuinely there was a lot of talk about how he can't play passes and I was like I
0: remember certain people wanting to declare
1: yeah Casemiro listen even to this day, I'd I I I still have always backed Casemiro. I don't know, I don't know if you were aiming that at me, but I just want to say it. no 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 because
0: no. I remember when remember when we did the Rodri party Casemiro thing. Yeah yeah yeah. And where, where did you have Casemiro?
1: I had him second after Rodri. Don't try that with me. Listen, I, I, I know balls. I, ball.
0: I, I need you watched the footage, back. I need you watched the footage, man. I, I, know I swear you were trying to put part of your Casemiro. No,
1: no, no. I had Casemiro second. I had 100% had Casemiro second.
2: Here's what I'll say about Casemiro, right? Um, He's, like, listen, we can argue technically skill-wise whether he's, like, the best um, defensive midfield in the world. But I think mentality-wise, I think he's number one. And it's something what you were saying, uh, uh Nubed, about how he was celebrating the tackle yesterday and and and, and cheering with the crowd. I honestly watch him and think I don't think he has any idea which game he's playing in at any moment. He just he's on that pitch and he's gonna win it regardless of what's going on. Like yeah. he has no idea the context if this is the final. And this is I thought that when we were playing uh, Crystal Palace away and we had Arsenal the game after, and you know we were kind of like doing all right, and he does that mad challenge and gets that booking. And as soon as he gets the booking, and and I remember. Bruno came over and Casemiro's face, I think, was registering for the first time. Then, like, oh, yeah, we got Arsenal next week. Like, ah, oh, mess this up. You know what I mean? But in that moment, he has no idea what game it is or who he's playing or where he is. He's just think that like was a this muscle kid.
0: memory kind of thing, isn't
2: it? Exactly. Yeah, he insane. is just in the moment, in the zone, and I am going to win and I'm going to destroy everyone around me, whether he's playing like, you know, warm up, probably in a park somewhere. That's what I love about that man, is that, you know, he is just a machine. You put him up there and that mentality. When you're playing around him, like imagine the confidence that gives the defenders. Imagine the kind of euphoria that gives them uh, the midfielders around him or the strikers. Because you know you lose the ball, you're going to stay on your toes because Casemiro is around. This thing is coming back to you quick. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? This is not Mm going to be 10 minutes without the ball now. Casemiro is going to get it. He's going to smash that player who's on the ball, pass it through to you, and he's away. And he has been an absolute revelation um i'm sure all the stories will come out about like what he's been like uh in in the dressing room what he's been like in the training ground like this man is here to win and it doesn't matter what trophy he's winning for he just wants to be on that pitch and doing his job um and that's what i love about him that's what i love about him you know whether it's cardboard he's won how many five champions league he's won doesn't matter i'm on the pitch again now i need to win this game whatever game it is um he's just magic absolute magic
3: I mean, the the fact that people even questioned his footballing ability was was crazy. Like Nabe just said, how could you question someone's footballing ability? Let me say this again: footballing ability. Someone who's won five Champions Leagues with Cruyff Modric, three years in a row, and you're questioning his footballing ability. I, I do not understand, nor do I know what kind of football you're watching to be <laughs> saying that, because that that is absolutely absurd. He's a starting defensive midfielder for Brazil over a lot of DMs that people would suggest are are better than him, Brazilian um, DMs. He's always there, first name on the team sheet. When he played for Brazil in the World Cup, he was always there, unless they were rotating, of course. Casemiro's been, in my opinion, United's best signing since Robin Van Persie. I've not seen, even Bruno, I would say, I've not seen someone come in to the club and have that big of an impact.
1: Because Bruno had a big impact, but not as big as Casemiro. Mm. I think Bruno had an individual impact, didn't he? Like you, you, his his personal output to the games was huge. But I think Casemiro's collective output to games is bigger, if you like. Um, moving on to next season very quickly, Bainsey, If this season United finished third, potentially second, I won't rule it out just yet. Um, potentially first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, let's let's stop. In fact, before we go into next season. I feel like you're not even joking. I feel like a part of you's actually going hey, You never, you never know. We might actually win it.
3: Anything can happen.
0: <laughs> say it <me>, again, Aaron. <laughs> let me just
3: say this. You know what? Until until last week, I was I was a bit skeptical. I can't lie. I was like, you know what? Let's take it one game one game at a time. But I'm looking at the table and I'm thinking, yes, it's between Arsenal and City, but any of those two can slip, and we're right behind them. And with the momentum we've got right now. People put, People didn't believe us, said you wouldn't win against, you're not going to win against Barca. They're the best team in Europe. Beat them at the Europa League. Cool. You're not going to win against Newcastle. They've had a, a good, they've had a good momentum as well. Beat them, won the Carabao Cup. With this momentum and this confidence, anything can happen. I'm not going to say we are going to win the league. Disclaimer. I'm not saying <laughs> that,
0: but anything can happen. That's what I'm saying. Back to you, Baines. <laughs> You just have to be in the conversation and just hope want to see your Arsenal slip up. That's all we have to do. We're not expected to be winning the league, but March, April time, you're there, thereabouts, still in single digits. You never know. Because we saw, for example, Arsenal last season towards the end of last season when Conte was pressing them for top four, they did crumble. Mm. And it happens like, it's funny, people are laughing at Gary Neville when Gary Neville said, the league's not done yet. I I think, I swear he had United above Arsenal.
1: Yeah, he did. He had it as a City, United, Arsenal.
0: And this guy's won how many league titles? He's been in that environment. He knows, listen, it's February right now. Nothing I mean, decided. Also, it. He
1: did also say that Casemiro can't pass the ball. So uh,
0: listen, We'll give <laughs> Aaron Neville some credit. But, but, but talking about credit, if, if you read the chat, I said Wan-Bissaka talk, please. Because I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka deserves a lot of credit in recent weeks. Post-World Cup, or before the World Cup, Brady really played, had a lot of injury problems a lot of people doubted if he could fit into that 10-0 system including myself just because I thought his profile was completely different from Dalo. but a job he's been doing recently has been nothing so a short sensation yesterday I know he only played 45 minutes he was my man in the match I thought Dalo, listen you're up against Saint-Maximin you're gonna mo- a lot of fullbacks are gonna struggle and I did think Saint-Maximin had the meeting of him a couple of times but when Misaka came on shut him down straight away and I think how he's kind of bounced back, his mentality, you never really hear wan speak. You never really hear wan moan. He just wants to play football. And I think he, he deserves a lot of credit. Just because, like, I've always said that wan is not the prettiest on the eye, but he's effective. I've always said, I think wan press press resistant. I don't think he looks clean on the ball, but he's effective. Mm. And I think now... He's given Ten Hag something to think about because a lot of United fans thought Wan-Bissaka would have been out. I think come the summer, we've had like right back talk in terms of like Frenpong, for example, in the past. I think Ten Hag's in a bit of a dilemma, but it's a good dilemma because Wambsacca's put himself in that into that conversation being the best right back in the club again.
2: Yeah, for me I think Delo's still better, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I I'm
0: just saying that, he's put himself into that I, conversation. No, I, I think
2: what he's done I think what he's done, and that's that's great news for United, is that um we don't have to sign a right back if Wan is happy to just stick around and play second fiddle to um to Delo. And when I say second fiddle, I don't mean like you're gonna be missing for half the season and you'll just be playing like the odd game here and there. I mean in the game like yesterday. That's what I mean by second fiddle. You start with Delow. You hope that works. But when you can see that it's not happening, I want wan to be available to, to jump in. I think he'll do more than a job. Um, I still think he's like suspect when it comes to like two specific areas. Like, I don't trust him to be able to put a good ball into the box when he's at the other end of, uh, uh, of the pitch. And I don't trust him to be able to defend a ball into the box when, he, when he's at uh, our end of the pitch. I think given those two liabilities, like I would always um, prefer Deleuze to, to Wan-Bissaka. Um, but i think like he is solid he's solid you know what i mean like he will he will come on like he did yesterday and shut someone down on that wing he's not going to do much for you uh beyond that but if that's all you need him to do he's more than capable of doing that so for me it's again it's, it's wambasaka deciding himself whether that's the role he's willing to play or if he still wants to be the starting right back somewhere in which case he's probably have to move on but like um this will be a difficult project for him to leave now too because he he will contribute like he did yesterday, you will play in games like the final 45 minutes. Like you will have those moments is whether he wants to be around for that, in my opinion.
1: Mm. I think also it's a nice thing to have when you've got uh, two very different types of right backs. Like Wan-Bissaka came on because St. maximan was causing problems. So you know Wan-Bissaka, I think 1v1, he actually is probably one of the best defenders in the world. He can the keep best. Anyone... Yeah, he can keep everyone locked off, basically. Um, and he's nicknamed the Spider by Dave and a bunch of other people, well within reason because <laughs> his legs can get to absolutely everywhere. Um, while we're on the point of Wan-Bissaka let's look forward to how United can improve because just in this episode alone Baines has said best DM in the, world, uh, the best in the world one of the best centre-backs in the world one of the best left-backs in the world you did say that
0: just, no, like uh, yeah fair enough but I think it's, I think it's obvious where we need to improve go on man I, th- I think it's clear and obvious striker I think everyone will agree with that yeah and then the other position for me the main position has to be midfield we need someone next to Casemiro, someone like a... I have, for example, a heavy ball, um, like a heavy volume passer or a heavy volume carrier. We just need someone in that role, for example, like a Dion. I wanted that Enzo Fernandez. for example. We need someone there. I think those two positions want to sort that out. We're, we're going to be in a title race. Well, come April May time. I'm certain. Next with season, two right? Next season. 100%.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you. I think um, striker position definitely needs to be filled. And um, yeah, I would say a ball-carrying midfield, I think we've been crying out for that. And I think uh, there was a certain point where people understood, oh, now we understand why Ten Hag was chasing Frankie de Jong because in terms of that ball-carrying ability, I mean, we've seen it when he played against us with, with Barca. The amount of times he just picked up the ball and just that one little push forward and he just got through two free players and you're like, how is this possible? But he does it so well. So you understand why Ten Hag wanted him and hopefully we can try again in the summer and, you know, maybe try and get him. I forgot the other position is all keeper.
0: Ooh, I don't know. Hey, listen, man. I don't we know. We have to. <laughs> you know what? In terms of like, that, because the to, reason I say that, I feel like we are compromising Ten Hag football to an extent because of mm. that deal.
3: He made some incredible saves. But then again, on the other hand, some incredible mistakes as well that, you know, could have cost us the game. If that Ferran Torres chance goes in and if it's 2-0, it's probably game over. But thank God for Casemiro. So I do hear where Baines is coming from. Um, I just don't know if the club's ready to move him on yet because the way I'm seeing the club giving him his flowers and I think he reached today. They posted, a sh- uh, um, they posted a video of, of them on a plane where he got like a shirt with 188 uh, mm. clean sheets and do you know what I mean? All these things tend to indicate that they're probably going to keep him for, let's say, another season and then... Aye, Ronaldo got that when He scored 800 goals, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just saying, is it? Like the way the club's been giving him his flowers recently, it's, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. So... That, to me, isn't isn't probably an indication that he's going to leave. But then again, we never know Ten Hag's mind, innit? Like, he might wake up one summer, uh, one morning in the summer and just go, De Gea, out. We never know. So, yeah. Can, can, a just, bit- uh,
2: can I just add to that in terms of De Gea talk? Like, um, for me, I think it, it totally depends on, um, like, for example, a club has to decide when its when its team is playing at a level where you don't have to worry about your keeper being a phenomenal shot stopper and more about your keeper being contributing to your uh, attacking and play and, and being a good distributor. I think United, we're not there yet. You know, we still, as a team, we still need a phenomenal shot stopper who can kind of keep us in the game now and again because we're not controlling the ball as much as Ten Hag eventually wants us to. I think depending on, for example, the summer that we have and the players that we bring in, if Ten Hag feels we have got the right uh, characters uh, on the pitch now, to essentially control and dominate the ball, then yeah, you need your keeper who's basically way outside the box, who's going to be playing with his feet, who's going to be contributing, passing, and keeping the attack going and keeping the press going. But if you look at United now, they're still going to be period in the games like yesterday, where you're going to need a keeper who can make phenomenal saves to keep you in the game. And so while I think United are still at that level, we keep De Gea. Whether you think we can get, whether we think we can get enough players in this summer that from next season, we're already thinking we're going to be totally controlling the ball, maybe you want to move De Gea on. But for me, I think he's still got one more season with him while United are trying to get to that place where, like a city where you're just controlling the ball so much that you just need your keeper to be um, passing the ball forward quickly and and cracking on with things.
1: I think Baines, you made a point a minute ago about United potentially compromising Ten Hag football because of De Gea's limitations. But I do also think that Ten Hag is compromising in general in terms of how he, he would like to play a different style of football. I don't think Ten Hag's plan is to go against Arsenal and, and play relatively defensively. I think he'd like to take the games to teams. If you've ever watched Ajax, they, they took the game to absolutely every team they played against. So I think eventually you'll work towards that. But as you said, that requires a, uh, a midfielder, still requires a striker and anywhere else you want to improve. But, but we're
0: close though to that stage. And the yeah. way I look at it, I don't know, I, I'm i more leaning towards like signing someone like David Ryle. Just because I think I hear all like, for example, the pro they hear stuff, which is why I'm like, having another Spaniard working alongside De Gea if you want to keep De Gea for another year. And I think the biggest thing for me when you're switching keepers is just the pressure that comes with it. Mm. David Raya, first time you're really going to play for a big club. You're not going to be facing so many shots like you are against Brentford because I think he's made the most saves for Brentford. Your level of concentration has to be completely different, which is why I'm like, I don't mind like a year of transition, but I would like United to make that step in terms of getting that keeper in the summer. Whether De Gea still stays your number one
1: difference for just, just make that step all right um very quickly before you move on from this united topic i know hamza you want to talk about the ownership but the only reason i'm not gonna is because you've sift if you watch on youtube you're going why is hamza's background changed it's not because he just like went from one cafe to the next he just went and sat in a corner and needs to charge his uh laptop but there is a bit of music playing i don't want to get hit by a copyright strike because i don't have the clout that hamza does you know what i mean um, so, I'm not playing with fire. Uh, very quickly, fair, fair. <laughs> um, Aaron, I'll start with you. What looks like a successful season come the end of the season? So, right now, obviously, this feels very successful, but I'm saying let's put a few stipulations out there. United finish third, Carabao Cup, and nothing else. Is that success, or United finish second, Carabao Cup, Europa League final? Like, what? what is success for you as a United fan? Success for me
3: is. Um, Qualifying for the Champions League and another trophy, plus
1: the one we just won now. The greed you lot got after one, for fuck's sake!
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, just to, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. I think we need one more trophy. Just because we're we're still in it for the FA Cup, we're still in it, in it for Europa, and I think if we end up getting knocked out of both of those, um, you know, you would quickly forget the the the, the um, carbo cup final and you just remember the two losses at the end of the season where you could have won another couple of trophies you know so i think one more trophy either one of those i'll be happy with and uh, top four you know i don't think we're going to win the league this year I, I i think we'll we'll finish third to be honest um i think we'll be you know not far off maybe like four points off or five points off like it won't be the most ridiculous um kind of gap um and I think, to be fair, if he would have got back in January, I, I would have, I would have um, been more confident about us really pushing Arsenal. Um, you know, you can't, you can't sign Woot in, in January and expect to win the league. To be honest, uh, no offense to Woot, like I love what he's doing. I'm just saying that is a, for me, that was an indication of where the club thought they were anyway. Like they weren't looking to win the league this year, so they, they didn't really push on and invest, which is a shame, because you know, games like Arsenal would have really benefited if we had. You know, replacements to 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 the players who were missing and stuff like that. But I think finish third, pick up another trophy because you don't want to just win in um, February and you, you know, by, by by the time May comes round, you've lost a couple of um a uh, couple of games and you're knocked out of um, tournaments. I think we'll forget the the hype that we're on right now. So go win another trophy, go finish top third, go sign some phenomenal players in the summer, and let, let's kick on.
0: Go on, Baines, be be the ultimate greed. Nah, you. I'll be honest. I think it's already been a successful season, isn't it? Like I said at the start of the season, my prediction was sixth, and I just said I hope we win a trophy just to end the drought. We're currently third in the league, and we've already won a trophy, and we're still in every other competition. I'm buzzing. <laughs> like anything that happens to me right now is just a bonus. Listen, which why I said, like I can't complain. Really. I can't complain. I've got, I've got a trophy, man. Six years. I was it? in year nine or year te- year ten when we lost won a trophy. Now my days. <laughs> If you didn't know that Baines
1: was ethnic, he just told you. He he's so broke, he's happy to take whatever he gets right now. I love it so much.
2: But hang on, hang on, Baines, hang on, hang on, just to push back a bit, mate. All right. We get knocked out of the FA Cup, we get knocked out of Europa. Like, would you not be confused about what happened to the momentum we built, like in February? Like, what happened to that winning mentality? What happened to the players? What happened to Ten Hag? Like, I'd be confused if we, if we fell off now, before now, in the end of the season, and we didn't pick up another trophy. Like, I, I, why would we get knocked out?
0: I think it always depends on who, who you get knocked out to, innit? Like,
2: say. Mate, we went to New Camp and dominated, may come now. We can do this.
0: <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying we can't do this, by the way. I'm just saying, like, Say, for example, Europa League, you lose over two legs to Arsenal, who are top of the league right now, you say, you know what, fair play. You lose in the FA Cup to Man City. Listen, they still see it at the end of the day, innit? it? Anything could happen in those games, which is why I wouldn't be totally upset, just because I know where we're com- c- coming from. We're coming from a side that we held forward to Brentford at the start of the season. Ralph Ranick mm. flipping out, that last season was terrible. <laughs> Like, we've improved so much, which is why I'm just so happy with where we are right now, which is why I'm like, it was always going to be a building block for next season. 10 Hogs exceeded my expectations massively already.
2: I think he's absolutely right. I I I think you're right. I think, like, technically speaking, and we have to accept, this has already been a successful season. We get top four... And we picked up a trophy. It's a successful season. I just think given where we are and where, where the players and, and Ten Hag uh, are right now, um, they would be disappointed with just picking up the, the Carbo Cup at the end of this in terms of the positioning that they put themselves in. I think in. that's
0: because the mentality of Ten Hag, that's, that is that totally. is stupid kind of thing. Totally. Mm. It, I think if I was
1: to ask Arsenal fans this question at this time, it'd be quite a similar answer to you guys and the sense of mm. like the mentality would be they didn't expect for a minute to win the league but if they don't win it now they'll feel they'll quite be disappointed. disappointed it'd be the same for you guys if you finish fifth in the Europa League they're probably going we can probably go all the way because of the season we've had in Europa League they'd be disappointed if they didn't go all the way so it's a very simple like in a weird way you're living a similar sort of life to Arsenal fans where both teams are definitely exceeding expectations from the start of the season but as it's gone on not only has the greed grown but the belief has grown <laughs> silently in the corner as well um all right, thank God there's no more United talk from this pod. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll come back to this at some point. Liverpool play United in uh, in in this week, actually, in six days' time. So, uh, listen, I'll take a nil-nil, no, no, no more chat. I just want a, I just want a pain free <laughs> week, this one. Um, just very quickly, before we uh, wrap up, I want to very quickly mention Harry Kane because I think he's going under the radar a little bit this season. 18 goals, two assists in 25 games for a Spurs side that have been really, really poor all the talk has been about Erling Haaland, breaking records, et etc. et cetera. I think there's a conversation here to be had about Harry Kane, because I do think in terms of the best footballer this season, I don't personally think it's Haaland. I know that's quite an unpopular opinion, but I don't actually think Haaland's been the best footballer this season. Um, I think there's other names to be mentioned. Um, and Aaron, I feel like you've agreed with a few things I've said this morning. I've got no interest in going to Hamza or Baines for this, because they're just going to come flying at me. Harry Kane, possibly the best footballer this season? I think there's a conversation to be had because of the level of the team.
3: Um, the team's not been playing well at all, but somehow Harry Kane managed to get 18 in the league and I think 20 all competitions. Yeah, um, that's, that's still remarkable, to be honest. And yeah, there, there's a conversation to be had for Harry Kane to win that because... Haaland has scored a lot of goals, but like you said, you can't really say he's been the best footballer. Um, so I think, I think you're right with that one. And I think with United winning the Carabao Cup yesterday or two days ago, um, Harry Kane probably had an eye on that and, and thought, I'd love to be part of that. So I think, I, think, I definitely think he's, he's had a look at that and, and thought, it's now or never. It's now or never. I need to make a move wherever he, wherever he goes whether it be Manchester United whether it be Bayern Munich because those are the two teams he's heavily been linked with any of those teams he can join I think he'll look at that and think I need to win something because if I don't I think he knows it as well as much as people Mm -hmm. say that he wants to be a Spurs legend yes I don't doubt that at all but he wants to win something surely someone like Harry Kane wants to lift a a trophy at some point
1: Go on
2: (laughs) 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 Ah... <laughs> <laughs> uh listen no listen he's, he's he's done great it's it's not surprising it's not surprising you know what I mean like I think to spe- I think that's what it is that's probably what Harry Kane's struggling against is that like he's just so consistently good uh at scoring goals that like you don't notice when he's doing it again you know mm-hmm. um so good for him good for smashing in the goals good for whatever he's taking in spurs but like um for me I, I'm 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 just not interested in what's
1: going on I was, in, I was just Tottenham about right say, my man just said I don't give a shit about anyone else apart from yeah, United. that's yeah, why I'm here yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. And also, no, also, just like, just that aside, like, I think, um, in terms of like who has met more for their team this season, again, we just spent all, all hour talking about characters like Casemiro. Like, you have, you have to, you have to understand, like, the yes, like, he's, you know, he might not be getting an assistant goal every game, but if you tell me which player has impacted their, the, you know, their, their club the most. You know, you would be hard-pressed to look beyond uh, players like Casemiro. He has taken us from one of the worst Premier League sides that we had, finishing seventh, to winning a cup and, and like, you know, having people smiling about trophies someday. Like, that's, that's, um, that's an impact in his first season. So, like, yes, Harry Kane has been amazing. Yes, Harry Kane has been smashing in goals, as he usually does. Um, the reason he's not the story is because there's better things happening in the league right now, elsewhere. Um, and I think that's, that's what he's going to have to accept, you know.
1: Poor guy, man. Poor guy, Harry Kane. Um, all right, we won't even talk any more about Harry Kane. <laughs> has made the choice for you. Uh, as ever, we will leave you with an icebreaker, which I've just thought of, just improv, and I will very quickly get your opinions on it. Um, what would be a bigger achievement come the end of the season? Arsenal to win the Premier League and nothing else, or Manchester United to finish in the top two and a Carabao Cup? Awesome.
2: Awesome. Arsenal to win the Premier League, yeah?
1: Arsenal to win the Premier league. Hey, there's a belief that it's United. You know, what Ten Hag's done has been much more of a miracle than what Arteta's done.
0: Arteta also took Arsenal from what fifth last year to what first in. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's 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 amazing what they're doing at Arsenal. And I think that is that is the story of the season if they win it. You know, um anyone told me at the start of the season that Arsenal were going to win the league this year. No. If you told me at the start of the season that Ten Hag was gonna get into top four, I would have believed that. And pick up a trophy here and there. I would have believed that. I I thought he was capable of that. But Arsenal awesome winning the league, who would have who would have who would have put money on that? You know.
3: Go on, Aaron. Go ahead. Um, I think Hamza said it all. He took the
1: words out right out of my mouth. So I, I can only agree. Tell you what makes me really happy. We get to wrap on this podcast of Manchester United fans admitting that Arteta and Arsenal are doing a better job. I'm not even back in Liverpool anymore. I've sat on the last two podcasts and I've chatted Arsenal. Arsenal.
2: Wait, hang on. We didn't say better job. We just said what's the bigger story? That was the question. You know what I mean?
1: Hey, listen, Hams. I've learned from you, man. It's like, this is how you manipulate words have people say. <laughs> you um, got to be specific. you got to be specific with your words. Uh, uh, for those guys listening or watching, make sure you subscribe and follow the pod. Follow all these guys on socials as well. They're all up to brilliant stuff. Um, and I will completely admit that, that 73 minutes of my life, I'm never going to get back of talking about Manchester United. And that's more prop than I've ever given United in my entire life. If you'd enjoyed it, then uh, good for you. I need to go have a nap. We'll see you next time.